Shall we pray? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you that you are good and your mercy endureth forever. We thank you for your kindness. We thank you for your generosity. We thank you that your mercies are new every morning. We thank you that we can call you our Father. And most importantly, we thank you that you call us your children. We pray that may Christ alone be exalted in our discussion tonight. In the name of our Lord Jesus, amen and amen and amen and amen. Wow, we thank God so much for this opportunity again. It's something that we refuse to get familiar with. And we thank God that has qualified us to see another day where we can work the works of He who has called us whilst we are in the day season of our lives because we are not ignorant of the certain truth that a time is going to come where we will not be able to work. We thank God so much and I hope your 2024 is going excellently. I'm really believing God that this year, as we pray, we will be imitators of Him. We will be creators. We will be, we will be creative people in every aspect of our lives. That this year we would work. We will be honest with ourselves. We would experience the blessings of Isaac. That's that Isaac continued to prosper until Isaac became rich and continue to become rich until he was very rich. You want to be rich, not just financially, but rich towards God. You want to really continue our study, something I find very important, very crucial. I think it's the centrality of our faith, which is the person of Jesus Christ. So last week we started with a discussion on why Jesus. And I said that this was a sequel, or it's a sequel to a teaching to the unknown God. We looked at who God is, and when we say God, what do we refer to? When we say God, we refer to any being who created all things, yet was created by no one. We refer to a being who sustains all things, yet is sustained by no one. We refer to a being in whom he has life and gives life unto all. We refer to a being who is omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient. We refer to a being who is eternal, a being who is spiritual. So if you qualify, if you have these things, you are, you are entitled to be called God. And we are saying that even though this God is huge, there's a problem. And the problem is his nature. So in 1 Timothy 6, 16, we look at a nature of God that he alone has immortality dwelling in an unapproachable light which no man has seen or can see. In John chapter 1 verse 18, Jesus buttresses this to say, no one has seen God at any time. That's the first part. We look at the second part. Okay, let's just look at it. The only begotten son who is in the bosom of the father, he has declared him. So where was Jesus all this while? He was in the place called the bosom of the Father. Wherever that place is, that is where he was. That is where he descended from. And I said that it's going to be very some way to have a father-son relationship, a father-daughter relationship, a father-child relationship with a God who you cannot see. And you cannot see him because of two things, because of his invincibility. So even when we get to heaven, the person you would see is the son. 
And the second reason why we cannot see the Father, because there is no place outside of the Father. There is no existence outside of the Father. In Him we live and move and have our being. So then, Jesus is the solution to this problem of God. He is the way to the Father. We looked at scriptures, and this, this teaching is a, is, a, is a compendium of scriptures. I'm trying to do very little speaking and just read the Bible to you. He is the way to the Father. He is the door to the Father. And He is the gift of the Father. I told us last week, that, or God told us last week, that Jesus is called the Word of God. Because all that God has to say about us or to us about anything is Jesus. In fact, the two times God parted the skies to speak, He only made the same statement, This is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. God has nothing else to say than Jesus. He is the finality, the essence of God's revelation. A spiritual instructor calls him the centrality and the universality of all things. Jesus. He is the basket of God's choice. He is the place. Jesus is also a place where we have peace with God. Ah, this man, Jesus. I like what he says in 1 Timothy 2, I think verse 4. He says, for there is one God and one mediator between God and man man and hopefully one day we'll look into this the man not the god but the man jesus the humanity of jesus is hopefully a study we'll look into god willing spend god permits so we are continuing our study on why jesus why jesus the fourth reason so last week we learned three so the fourth reason why jesus which i find to be so crucial in fact all of them are crucial <laughs> he validates the existence and the reality of God. Without the Son, we could have cause to doubt if there is a Father. Now, I know a great number of you do not know me personally. A few of you know me personally. So those who know me, if I say I have a Son, there's a cause to doubt. <laughs> and I won't answer that question. <laughs> Obviously, you should know the answer. If I say I have a Son, you could believe because, well, I'm old enough to have a son. But those who know me, I've not seen any guy walking around me, any lookalike roaming around in the city. So you're like, hey, when did you have a child? You start asking so many questions. But if I should tell you I have a father, there is absolutely no way that you can doubt that I have a father. Because without a father, a son cannot exist. And this is one important reason why God sent the son. Because he validates that there is a father without a son. We can doubt the reality of the fatherhood of God. That is why whenever he came, he identified himself as the son of man and as the son of God. So the existence of the son validates that there is a father. And that is why in Matthew chapter 16, when Jesus was having an interesting discussion with his disciples, he says, who do men say I am? And for such a question, you would think some deep revelation is coming to come out and the revelation is deep but we have trivialized it some said you were a prophet powerful some said you were jeremiah powerful some said you were this you were that then peter as inspired and this is very important the answer that peter gave looks like a very common answer but look at what jesus said he said that flesh and blood cannot reveal this to you it is impossible to know this answer and what was the answer thou art the christ the son of the living God. This, it's mind-boggling that this thing is a revelation. 
that the person that worked with them, that Jewish carpenter, that rabbi who never went beyond a certain amount of distance, who was always around Galilee, Bethlehem, Gadara, those areas, who was he? He's the son of the living God. Immediately Peter spoke these words. Jesus turned to me and said, what? This thing can only be said by someone who is inspired by God. So the existence of Jesus validates the reality of the Father. Very important. So the reason why I can be sure that there is a Father is because there is a Son. Now let's look into more scriptures. Of course, I said that most of this study, we will be looking at John. So let's go to the book of John, the first book of John, chapter 2, I believe from verse 22 and 23. Verse 22 and 23. I'll be reading the NIV version. It says, Who is a liar? It is whoever denies that Jesus is a Christ. Such a person is the Antichrist, denying the Father and the Son. Look at the verse 23. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. So if you acknowledge that I am somebody's Son, indirectly you acknowledge I have a father. So the acknowledging that Jesus is the son of God is acknowledging God. That is why he is the only way to the father. So when we Christians believe in Jesus, indirectly we are believing in the uncreated creator. Indirectly or directly we are believing in the existence of the one true God. The one who in his palms gathers the waters in the hollows of his palm. The one who stretches out the heaven the monarch of the universe, the one whom the 24 elders and the four living creatures continually sing, holy, holy, holy. For thou created all things and thou sustained all things. Acknowledging the Son is acknowledging the Father. And not acknowledging the Son is not acknowledging the Father. Let's look at another scripture in First John chapter 1. We are still in First John chapter 1 to verse 6, a very common scripture which is very crucial for our Christian work. It says, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirit to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone into the world. This is how you recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus has come in flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. That's fine. They are from the world and therefore speak the viewpoint of the world and the world listens to them. We are from God. And whoever knows God listens to us. But whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth from the spirit of falsehood. This is how we recognize that the person who is speaking is speaking of God. If you acknowledge that Jesus is from the Father. I like what he himself says, I think in John chapter 8 verse 42. Jesus said that, I proceed forth and come forth from God. And it is crucial that he came as a son, not as a father. Because coming as a father, and if he told us he had a son, you can imagine, they say, my friend, you have been working here, fixing my wardrobe, fixing my bed. When did you give birth? When did you have your name and your money? When, when did you even get married that we did not hear of it? But because he came as a son, it's impossible. 
to deny the existence of a father is very important let's see if you can read maybe one more scripture let's look at maybe first john chapter 5 verse 9 and 10 first john chapter 5 verses 9 to 10 let's see what the scripture tells us we accept human testimony but god's testimony is greater because this is god's testimony which he has given about his son whoever believes in the son of god accepts this testimony whoever does not believe god has made him out to be alive because he does not believe the testimony god has given about his son and what is the testimony in him has life that's the testimony that jesus is the son of god why jesus he validates and testifies of the father that's why throughout jesus work on earth he kept saying that i do not speak of my own accord but that which i hear the father speak so also do i speak he says the works which i do it is not me that is doing it by the father who lives in me that is that work in me why jesus he validates and testifies that there is a father who cares for us there is a father who is not lukewarm towards us but there's a father who is intentional about us so whenever you look at a man on the middle cross it tells you that there is a father who is thinking about you the next point which hopefully may be our last point <laughs> is a very crucial one why jesus let me read the scripture first <laughs> this is the big one this is the big one and this is where many people have confusion from a very crucial scripture. Please never forget the scripture. First John chapter 5, verse number 20. I'll take my time. Please turn to your Bibles. First John chapter 5, verse number 20. First John 5, verse 20. We know also that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding. We know also that the Son of God has come. And when he came, what did he come and do? For so Jesus did not just come to come and die for our sins. He could have died at age 12. He didn't just come and die to be an example of how children of God should live as a sample son. But he also came to give us an understanding. He came to give us a certain deep awareness, deep insight about something. And what is that? So that we may know him who is true and we are in him who is true by the Son, who is true by being in the Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true and eternal God. Let me read it in the King James Version. I love this scripture. I love the scripture. It says, And we know that the Son of God is come and has given us an understanding. But what is that? And that understanding that so that we may know him who is true and we are in him that is true, even in the Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Jesus came to give us an accurate understanding of who the Father is. So if you want to know who the Father is, you don't go to Moses. You don't go to Elijah. You don't go to Jeremiah. They give you glimpses and shadows of who the Father is. But to have an understanding, to understand, you must look at Jesus. So he came to give us an understanding of who God is. Very, very important. And that is why again he says in John chapter 8 verse 19, Then said they unto him, Where is the Father? Jesus answered, You neither know me nor my Father. If you have known me, 
you would have known my father also. So when you look at Jesus, we are not just studying Jesus, but everything Jesus did was to give us an understanding of who the father is. And that's why a time came, I think Jesus was entering the city and people were mocking him also. And his disciples made a very interesting statement. They said, ah, God, or Jesus, or Papa, Rabbi, people are laughing at you. Why don't you call down fire like Elijah? Because I, I think Elijah was a bald man and he went into a town. And I think a group of children came to laugh at him because he was bald. And this man commanded lions or bears to come and chew up the children. So if you look at what Elijah did, and you think Elijah is the negator, you would think that is really, truly who God is. But Jesus turned at them and rebuked them, and he made an important statement. He said, you don't know which spirit you are of. So the fact that Elijah did something doesn't give you an indication of who the Father is. That is why if you want to have an accurate image, that is why it looks as though the God in the Old Testament is different from the God in the New Testament. Because all these people painted sides of God, but the one who came to give us an accurate image, a detailed image, remember in Hebrews 1, an exact representation of who the Father is, is only by knowing Jesus. And that's what we want to branch and look at three things Jesus came to give us an understanding about who the Father is. Because when you look at, when you are trying to understand God through the lenses of the Old Testament, through the lenses of Moses, through the lenses of Abraham, Noah, Job, Jeremiah, you'll be left with an incomplete image. But when you look at the Father through the lens of Jesus, you truly see the Father whom you see. So what understanding did Jesus give us about the Father? So why Jesus? Because he makes us know that God we are serving. Let's look at the first understanding about God through Jesus. John chapter 10 and the verse number 10. A very fundamental scripture in our work with God. John chapter 10, the verse number 10. The thief cometh not but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I am come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. What image is Jesus giving us about the Father? That the Father is not a thief. Because for many of us, due to the experiences of life, due to the things that we have heard about the bitterness, about the pain, about the unimaginable complications of life, we think the Father is a thief that has come to steal, that has come to kill, that has come to destroy. But Jesus said that he comes to give. John 3.16, God loves to the extent that he gives. This is the first image of God you should have, that God is a giver, not a taker. God is a giver, not a thief. God is a giver, not one who comes to steal. God is a giver, not one who comes to kill. God is a giver and not one who comes to destroy. Because many of us think that God is the thief. God gives who is God? He's a father that gives. So when you look at the story of Job, Job made a statement from his experience. He said, it is the Lord who giveth, which is correct. But he added, it is the Lord that also taketh. The Lord gives, but the thief takes. The Lord gives, but it's the thief that is seeking to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Sometimes you may go through an imaginable pain. You may lose a loved one. And you may be sometimes be tempted to think that it was God that has taken somebody from you. That's why I keep saying that many people who used to be believers and are no longer believers. And to the extent that now they are atheists, 
the reason why they go into that direction is because they just can't wrap their minds around a god who takes because that is what the image life has presented to them but jesus came to correct our lenses jesus came to correct their perception the understanding we have about god that this god we say is not a god that takes but he's a god that gives is the thief that fits he does not just give but he gives abundantly the first image about god he gives that is why in james chapter one he says that every good and every perfect gift comes from above from the father of light i like the way he was specific because if it is above you may think maybe it's about the 24 elders who likes your matter or is one of the four living creatures or is the seraphim or cherubim or some no it is the father of light in whom there's no variableness there's no change there's no shifting shadows with god he's plain and he's a giver so when you look at jesus you look at the fact that God freely gave us Jesus. That's why Paul would make the argument, will he not through him give us all things? Ah, this is very important. I know some of us have gone through bitter experiences. Some of us wish that our parents were alive to see us walk down the aisle. Some of you wish that your brother was saved, your mother was healed, and it looks as though life has robbed you bitterly. And you are so angry about God, or you are so angry with God, and you just can't make sense out of it. That God, why? God is saying that I'm not the one who takes, but I'm the one who rather comes to give. That's why so even if the devil takes away, I will become the father to the fatherless. I'll become the mother to the motherless. I'll become the husband to the widow and the child to the barren. God gives. And this is the first accurate image about God Jesus wants you to have. That for God so loved the world that he gave. The second which is also tied to the first is that God does not give gradually, but he gives and gives more abundantly. Listen. I, I think I said this last week or somewhere recently that if you ask God for two cities and you get two cities, it's likely no God. I repeat, if you ask God for two and you get two, it's likely no God. Because when God gives, he gives more abundantly. When God gives, he goes to the extreme. That is why Brother Paul could say that he does exceedingly, abundantly, abundantly. That is why in the miracle of the loaves of bread and the fish, God knew the exact number of people. He knew the exact capacity. He could have given them just what would be enough. But the Bible said, and they collected 12 baskets full. It's God. God gives 12 baskets extra. How would you know something is God? It's when you get more than you can carry. God gives abundantly. So for many of us, we are saying that, oh, if only I could get a job, uh, maybe in five years' time, I'll be able to move into my house or what, pay as you rent, or own as you rent, or buy a certain car. Oh, that, that is not God. Just this afternoon, I was reading about um, the book of Esther King at Azexis. And this guy did a birthday party that lasted for 120 days. And after that, he did a seven days extension. That is the <laughs> So all of you, your birthdays, you think it is large. Somebody did 120 days of birthday chilling. Then just after that, he says, no. Now this one, that one, he did it to show his splendor. He did it to show his power. 
So he invited all the nobles, all the great people to come and watch his glory. But the Bible said that after that, he did one in his garden and all the people in the citadel of Susan were invited. So his backyard garden could host the whole city of Susa. And he did that one for seven days. That is when, oh, our dearly beloved Vasti missed it. For seven days, she did that birthday party. That is God's nature. When you ask God for one day birthday party, God has 120 days in mind. He is a large God. That's why he told, that's why Jesus told that he said that, go and tell the lame, the blind, the sick to come, that my house may be full. That's why in Psalm 23, he said that, my cup runneth over. That is God. When you see a running over blessing, that is God. When you see a more than you can carry blessing, that is God. When you see a 12 baskets full, that is God. He does abundantly. And this image is given to us by Jesus. That is why the woman who was saying that all she had was a little jar of oil that she used to bake bread and, and die. Little did she know, little did she know that there is a God who rules and reigns in the affairs of life. And that God had taken interest in her. And the Bible says that as long as they were vessels, the oil kept on flowing. May we never get to that point where we say, we have no more jars. That's why I keep saying that believe God for something huge. And remember, if you are believing God for 10, 10 mansions, he's going to do exceeding. So 12 is exceeding 10 abundantly so now you are in 20 above so now he's not just going to give you mansions he's going to give you islands to own literally believe god for this that is why david will say who am i and who is my family the way god can turn people's life around how a refugee in the person of daniel could become the prime minister in four successive governments hush these are military governments, so not democratic people that you can say, oh, he was an expert in, in finance. So they brought in, no, 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 no. I think from Nebuchadnezzar to, to Darius to Cyrus, all these people, Daniel was there, a refugee, somebody who was castrated, who we don't know his family, all we know are his friends. God could take this boy up and lift him. That's why one spiritual instructor says about himself that I know what it means to be helped by God. Because in your mind, you are imagining ministerial position. And that's why I like Joseph so much. Because he knew that if God is going to bless you, God is not going to give you Pharaoh, a Potiphar. The goal is Pharaoh's truth. So stop settling for Potiphar. Potiphar is a minister of defense. He was a minister of defense. Settle for the throne of Pharaoh. Pharaoh told Joseph that in all matters concerning this kingdom, except my throne, I give you jurisdiction. That is what God does. That a boy who was once in the pit could now become the second in command in one of the world's largest dynasties. That is the God we say. He doesn't just give, but he gives abundantly. And you think that is all? I'm so in love with this God. And you see, God doesn't just forgive, He forgives abundantly. Oh. And He doesn't just do it abundantly, He does it freely. And this is where African Christians must listen. God doesn't just give, He gives abundantly. He doesn't just give abundantly, but He gives freely. Because for many people, due to our cultural background, we are always used to negotiating to get things done for us. So whenever somebody goes to see a, a traditionalist, they are always expect 
something that there's a transaction that is done. So for all people of wealth, from stories that we have known or we have heard of people who are engaged in certain forms of rituals or spiritual engagements with the, with the occult world or with the underworld, all of them require a sacrifice. All of them require that you lose a loved one, that you lose mom, you lose a dad, you lose something in order to get something. But when it comes to God, he doesn't just give, but he gives freely. And when you see Jesus, I always say that we didn't even know it was possible for Jesus to come. So it was not even in our wildest thoughts. So you can't even say that we didn't pray for it. We didn't, we didn't even know it was possible. But God did not just give us Jesus, but he gave him to us freely. Listen, African Christian, God is not your boss. He's your father. Because for many of us, especially in our interpretation of prayer, we like to negotiate like we're talking with a boss. So for many of us, we go to God like we're going to the negotiating table. And they say, you know what? I've been in this company for 10 years. I have contributed to the expansion of your of your shop from, from, from a shop to a mall. And now we are having branches all over the city. We are negotiating. And you know what? When I came, your revenue was a million dollars. Now I've taken your revenue to a billion. I think I deserve a raise. I deserve medical. This Most of us are trying to negotiate. Yeah, like I bring this to the table. So God, that is not God. That is not God. When he gives, he gives freely. Let us read scriptures. There's so much that we can read, but we'll just read us a few of them. So let's start from Romans 3, verse 24. Romans 3, verse 24. There are so many scriptures we can read, but let's just start. Romans chapter 3 and then verse 24. Let's see what Apostle Paul tells us about the free nature of God. He says that being justified, freed by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. We were justified freely, freely, freely by his grace. Let's go. Let's go to Romans 8 now. We are still with Romans chapter 8. My favorite verse. I've had so many favorites. <laughs> verse 32. It says, He spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely, freely give us all things freely so if you are going to god and you are negotiating you don't know the god you are going to because if god could give you jesus when you did not even know it was possible god is not going to deny you a good job god is not going to deny you that beautiful marriage god is not going to withhold from you good health he's not going to demand for you a price for your children if he could give us jesus he could freely give us all things more scriptures more scriptures first corinthians chapter 2 verse 12 let's go to first corinthians chapter 2 the verse number 12 it says first corinthians chapter 2 first corinthians chapter 2 verse 12 and i read now we have received not the spirit of the world but the spirit which is of god eh? that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. I think I have to do a series title, Freely. <laughs> because we really need to appreciate this thing. Because whenever I talk with a person and they are expecting a breakthrough, they always seem to do negotiating. I remember I was talking to someone recently and he was, he was, ah, uh, what was the person talking about? Yes. I think he was talking about an opportunity to travel. And I was like, oh, this year, yeah, for travel. And we just try our best to serve God. And I believe in God. We are going to join some prayers. Then we are going to, and I like a point, talk about that and we sow some seeds. I think that's the way many of us think God is. 
And that's the way many spiritual instructors have made God out to be. It's like it's an ATM machine. You press this button, this button, that button, and you add a seed, then you are done. It's like you have trapped God. It's like you are bribing God, you know, where you give the person expensive gifts and now you need a favor. The person cannot turn you down. That is not God. That's a businessman. That's a politician. So stop thinking that giving God seed or sowing a seed is what is going to cause God to act. You give seeds in acknowledgement. You give seed in response, not as a cause or not as a trigger for God. That is why I, I remember someone last day, a friend called me and we were discussing that. He has this person that he has been supporting, a person's ministry, helping. Then the person comes to come and give me a prophecy about something big or something. And it was like, well, maybe let's say, for example, I'm God is coming to give me, let's say, a plane. And I was like, well, I'm not really thought of a plane. I'm okay with my Range Rovers and my horses and my chariots. I don't really need a plane. So I thought, oh, thank you, Papa, for the prophecy. Then he concluded, but you must always see. You must activate the blessing. I said, ah. And the guy was so confused. He came to ask me. I said, so I gave him two options. So he was like, if he doesn't do it, if he doesn't sow the seed, and he doesn't get that blessing, doesn't mean that he acted in disobedience. That's why he didn't get it. So I asked him another question. So what about if you do sow the seed and you do get the blessing? And the next time, so maybe let's say he asks for, I think he quoted a specific amount. Let's say 100, 100,000, like 100 cities, for example. I said, what if? In a year's time or in a month time, he comes again with another prophecy. And this time the demand is 200. What would happen? Because of what's happened in the last time, you cannot deny him again. Because it has worked. Then the next time he comes again, and this time he's saying, I bring 500. So what have you entered into? You are not entering into a relationship with the Father. If God needs your seed, God requires your obedience. If the obedience is to sow a seed, fine. But don't think that your seed is what is going to cause God to react. The reason why we do all these things is to ensure or is to position ourselves to receive of the free gift. That is why the, the man Simon who came to see Peter to buy the Holy Spirit. Then how dare you think you can buy the gift of God? It's not just the anointing. Every gift of everything that God gives you is a gift. Never for once think you can buy. God's gift. Dear African Christian, God gives things freely. I remember recently a, a relative of mine came up with the same thing and that's somebody said you should do this and this and so an amount of and, and I, I like the way that's specific because if they say so any seed, you gotta bring some one seed. I remember oh, recently I felt was like it's true. Hey, it has worked for somebody you that she went for a meeting and he said you travel, you get a scholarship and you sow a seed. And I think let me see, for example, she took like five hundred cities. When you when the man of God was like, ah, five hundred cities, but then go and bring it like two thousand. The girl had to scrape everywhere, borrow money. I said, God will not cause you to borrow money to dress. He'll cause you to borrow vessels to receive of what is coming to give of you. Many of us, and you see, the fact that somebody says something accurate doesn't mean that it's necessary of the Spirit of God. Because there are people through divinations. Look at when Saul went to see the witch in, I've forgotten the town. She was a, the witch, uh, Edom. I think the witch in Edom. The witch called out a spirit that looked like someone. And he gave an accurate prophecy that my friend, you're going to die. <laughs> you're going to die. But the fact that the prophecy was accurate or what she said came to pass doesn't validate that it is from God. So sometimes people, were were engagements in the spirit world, they can see something coming your way and they can leverage that to get something out of you. And before I realize you are selling your house, you are selling your, you are bankrupting your family because somebody said so. 
But you should know that the God you said, He gives things freely. Let's look at more scriptures, then we will end with this point. Revelation chapter 21. You see, we are, we are going all the way to Revelation <laughs> chapter 21, the verse number six. Let's see the understanding that Jesus gives us about the Father. It says, And He said unto me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give to him that is thirsty of the fountain of water of life freely. Freely. I will give to him freely. Let's look at Revelation chapter 22, hopefully our last scripture, and verse number 17. And what does it say? The spirit and the bride says, come. Let him that hear it say, come. Come. And let him that attest come. And whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. God is not a businessman. Prayer should not be a contract negotiation, but a conversation you have with God. And this is an understanding that Jesus came to give us. And this is an understanding of God you only see through the lens of Jesus. Because for many of us, we try to negotiate with God. How much can you negotiate? Eh? It's like somebody who has just finished school and your first salary, you think you have mentioned a huge amount. You mentioned a wild man and in your mind, oh, you have mentioned something huge. I remember my first salary, when I look back, I say, hey, what was I thinking of? What calculation did I do? And in my mind, I mentioned the salary with some, with some straight face, actually, they should try and bring it down, actually, thinking that I have overstated. <laughs> Little did I know. <laughs> if I had known, I would have told them, you didn't give me anything. Because what they would have given me is, was way more than I could think or imagine. And that is who God is. He is not a chief. He is the one who gives. He gives abundantly and he gives freely. This is an understanding that Jesus came to give us about God. We would end here for tonight and we'll continue God willing. We are not done with the understanding about God. There's about one more understanding I have under this discussion. Then you look at it and you conclude hopefully with our episode next week on why Jesus. I love the third one. This one is for we as Africans. We need to know that God gives. That God is not a taker. We need to know that he gives good and perfect gifts abundantly and freely. Stop trying to negotiate with God. Stop trying to deal with God as a businessman or as a lawyer. Stop thinking that you are contracting. There's, not, there's no amount you can mention. Sometimes you think I mentioned something here and God is just shaking his head. He said, the silver is mine. The gold is mine. The Bible says that this of Solomon, that silver was at And even that, Jesus said that the greater than Solomon is here. I pray that God will renew our mind about who God is. And when you are going into prayer, you go in with confidence, knowing the generosity. Shall we just spend some time in prayer? I wish I could sing, but there's a song that says, I have made you so small in my eyes. Tell God, our Father, forgive me for making you so small. Tell God, our Father, forgive me for reducing you to a businessman, a negotiator, a contract negotiator. Thank you that I was thinking that. Thank you for relieving my mind, for giving me an understanding about who you are, that you give, that you are not a taker, that you are not, you are not the thief. You are the one who has come to give. You have come to give abundantly. You have come to give freely. Father, in the name of Jesus, help us, give us grace to renew our minds. Help us to live in the understanding of who you really are. Help us to live in the reality of who you really are. That in this year, 2024, we are enjoying your generosity. This year, we are enjoying of the good 
good gifts you have for us, the gifts that you give abundantly, the gifts that you give freely. We call on the God who is generous, the God who is large, the multi-breasted one, the one who satisfies to the outermost, the one who makes our cups run over. Father, may we enjoy your blessings this year. May we enjoy your goodness this year. May we enjoy. I remember the story of the four Samaritans and when Elijah gave the prophecy that tomorrow by this time, the Bible said the one on whom the king's arm leaned on said, even if God should open the floodgates of heaven, this thing shall not be possible. But true to the words of the prophets, the thing became true. And in Israel, the economy of Israel turned in one day. Prophesy over our lives that the economy of our lives would turn in 24 hours. That in this year, in the season of life, according to the will of God, we are going to experience a day and around. When like Joseph, he will sleep as a prisoner. And the next morning, you are waking up and Pharaoh is calling us forth into the corridors of power. May we experience a 24-hour miracle in the name of our Lord Jesus. One day you will sleep a single day and wake up with a lady, with a married woman. One day you will sleep a barren woman and you will wake up with a woman of plenty. One day you will sleep a jobless man. You wake up as an employer of people. Believe God for the supernatural. Believe God for something huge. Because every good, every perfect comes from above, from the Father. Jesus has come to give you to us. May we never forget this image of who you are. Times when worry and anxiety and calculations try to pull us down, remind us of the God we serve. In the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. And amen. And amen. And God gives abundantly. And He gives you. Never negotiate with the devil. But rather go to your father. But even if wicked fathers know how to give good gifts to their children, how much more a good father. Thank you all for being with us for all these times. We really appreciate you. And those who are new, you are more than welcome. We have so much episodes. We have about 100 and we are almost at 200. We have about 100 and let's say roughly 196. Hopefully, episode 200 will be huge, will be bigger, will be better. We are doing a countdown to episode 200. Please invite people on all podcast platforms, Anchor, Spotify, Apple Music, Podbean, Castbox. You can find us by searching Renew Your Mind Podcast. You need to add a podcast. And if you're on Telegram, you can just go and search the household of the family. Then you'll find us fight. Come and renew their minds with the word of God. But without ideologies, so that we have a meaningful work with our Father. Remember, we are still giving God our very best, and we are owing no man nothing. But love. See you next week, and bye bye.